Hello, and welcome to the Women of Faith podcast, hosted by Faith Church in Indianapolis. I'm Brenda Soderstrom, and I'm excited to continue this journey, looking at the abundant life Jesus desires for each of us. Welcome to week two, the joyful life. I hope you took the time to memorize John 10.10 last week. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. John 10.10 tells us that Jesus came to give us an abundant and full life. Last week, I shared a lot about the word perisos, its meaning, more than, beyond measure, more vehemently, more abundantly, exceedingly abundantly, exceedingly, much more than all, surpassing, extremely plentiful, oversufficient, overflowing fullness. So this week, we begin to look at what this abundant life looks like. One thing I asked you to do was to compare happiness and joy. While some scholars and preachers will interchange happiness and joy, there are many more who distinguish between the two. Personally, I think that it seems to dilute the definition of biblical joy to equate it with happiness. Joy seems to run much deeper than happiness. Both the Hebrew and the Greek have different words for joy and happy. The words for happy are generally translated bless or blessed, and they seem to imply that because of some external circumstance, a person is blessed, In other words, the person is made happy because of something else, maybe a life circumstance or a gift or character trait imparted by God. We often think of the Beatitudes, blessed are the pure in heart, the poor in spirit, the peacemakers, etc. God says you are blessed because of some state of being you find yourself in. Joy appears to be much more active than happiness. Rick Warren defines biblical joy as a settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of life the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right, and the determined choice to praise God in every situation. Joy is possible despite circumstances and seems to come from within, from a God-given ability to choose to trust Him, His character, and His promises. We are frequently commanded to rejoice or to be joyful, implying that it is a state of mind that we can control despite our circumstances. When I think of happiness, I think of an emotional state of well-being that is characterized by positive or pleasant emotions, ranging from contentment to intense joy. It's subjective to the situation you find yourself in. When I think of joy, I think of a state of mind with a combination of emotions that are not necessarily positive or pleasant. Yet there's an understanding of well-being or a hope for future well-being. I think of the hymn, It is well with my soul when I think of joy. Happiness is exclusive. It doesn't share its space with opposing emotions. Joy is inclusive. It can share space with other emotions like sadness, anger, shame, and grief. Happiness is dependent on our experiences and our external stimuli, and it can disappear when situations change. Joy is independent of our circumstances. Happiness is external. It's a consequence of what we do, how we behave, and the circumstances we find ourselves in. Trying to think yourself happier is difficult. It's a reaction. It happens to us. It's not a choice we make, even though we may seek, desire, and pursue happiness. Joy is internal. It comes from within. It's a choice, hence the frequent command to rejoice or be joyful. It's a choice that we make. It's an attitude of the heart and the spirit. Happiness is limited. It's dependent on our circumstances. Joy is limitless because it comes from God. 
Happiness is achievement-based. People try to acquire it by material and worldly comforts, by achieving something desired. Joy is connection-based. People acquire it by feeling connected to other people and to God. Happiness has to do with doing. It's a feeling of happiness that comes from doing, training yourself to be happy with new behaviors. Joy has to do with being. It's not based on something positive happening in life, but it's an attitude of our heart or spirit. Happiness is fleeting. It's temporary. Joy is permanent. Happiness is a result of manipulation. We manipulate life to be more comfortable. Joy is a result of acceptance. It's the acceptance of life as it is in the present. Happiness is not promised in scripture. It's human generated, but joy. Joy is promised in scripture because its source is God. So how would I define joy? Well, Merriam-Webster says that joy is the emotion evoked by well-being success or good fortune or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. John Piper defined joy as a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as God causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the world and in the word. Brother Steindl Rast, a Catholic Benedictine monk and scholar, said joy is happiness that does not depend on what happens. It's the grateful response to the opportunity that life offers you at this moment. And Theopedia says that joy is a state of mind and an orientation of the heart. And I really like this part. Joy is a settled state of contentment, confidence, and hope. So my definition, joy is an internal choice to accept life as it is in the present. It is limitless and permanent because it comes from God. It's independent of my circumstances and can include opposing emotions such as sadness and grief. It's a state of being, an attitude of the heart, but most importantly, it is a choice that I make. I find it interesting how often Jesus spoke of joy in the days leading up to his arrest and crucifixion. Despite the fact that he was about to enter Gethsemane and be crucified, he was teaching his disciples that there was no need to fear the future. Hebrews 12:2 states, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. Endured, scorned, not usually words we associate with joy. What was this joy set before him? Jesus was looking forward to something, something pleasant to him. He rejoiced to know that by his suffering, he would satisfy God's wrath and make peace between God and man. He rejoiced to be the mediator between God and man. He rejoiced that he provided a way of salvation. This was the joy set before him. Jesus was able to endure the present hardship because of the confidence he had in the future. And his reward for his suffering was to sit down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus' joy was based upon his love for the Father and knowing that the Father loved him. Jesus considered fulfilling the will of the Father to be a joy. It was a joy to be completely submissive to God's will. Luke 10, 21 tells us that Jesus was full of joy through the Holy Spirit. Jesus' close connection with the Father and the Holy Spirit brought him great joy, which in turn he desires to impart to us. We learn through scripture that authentic joy is found in God's presence. 1 Chronicles 16, 27 says joy is found in God's dwelling place. And Psalm 16, 11, 
joy and eternal pleasure are found in God's presence. If you want to experience Jesus' joy, spend time in his presence. This can look different for everyone. Spending time in his presence could involve Bible study, prayer, Christian fellowship, worship, both individual and corporate. It could involve nature walks, serving. There are many ways to spend time in God's presence. We also learn through scripture that lasting joy is possible in every season when we follow God's truths. Psalm 19.8, God's commands bring joy to our heart because they give us incredible wisdom. And Jeremiah 15.16, consuming God's words, literally eating them up, delights our hearts and gives us joy. If you want to experience Jesus' joy, spend time in the word, eating it up. But don't just end there. Apply God's word to your heart and let it transform you from the inside out. We learn through scripture that undeniable joy and peace come from trusting God with our future. In the first five verses of Psalm 28, David cries out for mercy from God. He asks God to intervene, and before God can even answer, David's countenance changes. Instead of focusing on his circumstances, David changes his focus to God's strength rather than his own weakness. As his heart begins to trust God with the future, he gains more and more joy. The scriptures say his heart leaps for joy. Proverbs 16.9 says, In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. If you want to experience Jesus' joy, trust God with your future. Many of you are doing the Faith Women's Book Study in His Image this spring. One of Jen Wilkins' main points is that we frequently ask the wrong question. We ask, what is God's will for my life? Or what should I do about this decision or this circumstance? We forget that God is more concerned with the decision maker than he is with the decision itself. So the question we should ask isn't, what should I do? But rather, who should I be? That is trusting God with your future. We learn through scripture that unquenchable joy trusts God to fulfill his promises. It's amazing how many times in scripture we see God promising something and then several chapters later he delivers exactly as he promised. Sometimes we feel scripture is simply repeating itself because the first time when we read what God will do, we took it as a certainty. So when God actually brings it about, it seems like a retelling of the story rather than a fulfillment of it. We will talk more about God's promises the last week of our study, but I find it reassuring to see how Paul prayed in Philippians 1, 3-6. It says he prayed with joy because he knew that God would be faithful to complete it. You see, God hadn't done it yet, but Paul was already joyful because he was so confident in God's promises, so it was as good as done. If you want to experience Jesus' joy, know God's promises and trust him to fulfill them. We learn through scripture that overflowing joy radiates from our lives. Where did the Macedonian church's overflowing joy come from in 2 Corinthians 8? How did they in their extreme poverty give beyond their ability? Paul says it came from the grace of God and their choice to give themselves fully to God and to his will. They didn't win the lottery, yet scripture says they were richly generous. Counting our blessings instead of our burdens shifts our perspectives to all that we have been given and all that we have. It moves our focus from lack and fault to abundance and benefit. In turn, we can be generous with others because we are acting out of a sense of enough 
rather than scarcity. Recognizing all God has given us makes us willing to share. We are wired to care for others and be generous to one another. We shrivel when we are not able to interact. That's why solitary confinement is such a horrendous punishment. And we've been reminded of this during these weeks of quarantine. Our joy is enhanced when we make someone else happy. Acts 20.35 says it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let me share with you a tale of two seas. Both the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea receive their water from the Jordan River. The Sea of Galilee is full of fish and plants. The Jordan River flows into the Sea of Galilee and then it flows out, keeping the sea healthy and fruitful. On the other hand, the Dead Sea is so far below sea level that it has no outlet. Rather than flowing out, water only evaporates from the Dead Sea, leaving behind too much salt and minerals for marine life to survive. The Dead Sea is 10 times saltier than normal ocean water. We need to be like the Sea of Galilee and let the living water first fill us and then flow through us. Let me repeat that. We need to be like the Sea of Galilee and let the living water first fill us and then flow through us. If you want to experience Jesus' joy, seek to be a pool of joy, an oasis of hope, a reservoir of peace that can ripple out, or should I say overflow, burst forth, bubble out, run over to the world around us. We learn through scripture that God's overcoming joy strengthens us. One of the best examples of joy strengthening us is in times of grief. Grief is one of the most powerful emotions. If you've grieved something intensely, I'm sure you've heard the analogy of comparing grief to waves. When a ship is first wrecked, you're drowning with wreckage all around you. Everything floating around you reminds you of the beauty and the magnificence of the ship that was and is no more. All you can do is float. In the beginning, the waves are 100 feet tall and they crash over you without mercy. They come 10 seconds apart and don't even give you time to catch your breath. All you can do is hang on and float. After a while, maybe weeks, maybe months, you'll find the waves are still 100 feet tall, but they come further apart. When they come, they still crash all over you and wipe you out. But in between, you can breathe, you can function. Somewhere down the line, you find the waves are only 80 feet tall or 50 feet tall, and while they still come, they come further apart. You can see it coming for the most part and prepare yourself. And when it washes over you, you know that somehow you will, again, come out on the other side. The waves never stop coming, but you learn that you'll survive them. Grief is very powerful. The world tells us that only time will heal our grief. And even then, it's not really healed. It's just more distant for us another wave could hit at any time. But in John 16, 20 to 22, the word tells us that God can turn our grief into joy. That's pretty powerful. Not that we will simply forget our grief or its impact will lessen, but that God will actually turn our grief to joy. And not only that, but the joy that God creates in us is permanent. Scriptures say we will see Jesus and rejoice and no one will take away our joy. If you want to experience Jesus' joy in your life, give your grief, your disappointments, your shattered dreams to God and let him, in his perfect time, turn them into joy. And finally, we learn through scripture that transforming joy reframes our difficult circumstances into times of blessing. The Bible has much to say about trials, hardships, and persecution. James 1, 2-4 encourages us to have a joyful perspective in trials 
because as trials test our faith, we become mature and complete. 1 Peter 1, 6-8 encourages us to rejoice through trials because God is using them to refine our faith. After challenging us to rejoice in verse 6, verse 8 says we are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. This challenges me to not only choose joy, but also realize I don't have to manufacture this joy, but rather simply allow God's joy to fill me. We need to accept the trials and hardships of this life, recognizing that joy and suffering are not mutually exclusive. Thinking we won't experience suffering, trials, and persecution is far from what the Bible says. There is a lot of belly aching in our world today, complaining and grumbling that life isn't turning out as we wished it would. Our preconceived expectations of how life should be only lead us to anxiety and stress. Shanti Deva, an 8th century Buddhist monk, asked, Why be unhappy about something if it can be remedied? And what is the use of being unhappy if it cannot be remedied? These are good questions to ask. Much of our, quote, suffering comes from our reaction to our circumstances rather than our acceptance of our circumstances. The Navy SEALs have a unique perspective on adversity. They ask, will your adversity be a weight that will sink you or a wing that will enable you to rise above? Navy SEALs are forged by adversity. As believers, we too are forged and refined by adversity. We've all heard renditions of the story of the refiner's fire. As she watched the silversmith, he held a piece of silver over the fire and let it heat up. He explained that in refining silver, one needed to hold the silver in the middle of the fire where the flames were the hottest, as to burn away all the impurities. The woman thought about God holding us in such a hot spot, and then she thought about the verse that says, He sits as a refiner and purifier of silver, Malachi 3.3. She asked the silversmith if it was true that he had to sit there in front of the fire the whole time the silver was being refined. The man answered yes. He not only had to sit there holding the silver, but he had to keep his eyes on the silver the entire time it was in the fire. If the silver was left a moment too long in the flames, it would be destroyed. The woman was silent for a moment. Then she asked the silversmith, how do you know when the silver is fully refined? He smiled at her and answered, oh, that's easy when I see my image in it. What an incredible word picture. Keeping the perspective that God is using trials to refine us allows us to experience joy in the journey. Joy isn't contingent on our circumstances. It's secured by our relationship with God and choosing joy each day is up to us. Given the choice, I doubt any of us would choose trials and hardships. Yet I hope we also wouldn't choose to resist God when he desires to refine us. And yes, sometimes this refinement is by fire. Personally, I try to see how God could be using hard circumstances to refine me. Sometimes I never see the why, and I'm frequently wrong in guessing how God will use these situations to refine me. But seeking God in the difficulty reframes my perspective and allows me to miraculously experience God's joy, peace, and hope throughout the trial. If you want to experience Jesus' joy, don't shy away or merely endure trials and hardships. Seek to change your perspective and grow through them. Rather than fighting God, kicking and screaming like a toddler, each step of the way, why not accept where God is leading you and trust that he knows best, who he wants you to be, and what it takes to get you there? Romans 12.2 tells us not to conform to the pattern of the world, which could look like our complaining, our belly aching, and our fighting trials. 
but be transformed by the renewing of our mind, changing our perspective to focus on the fact that God is good, God cares about you personally, God knows best, and God is actively completing the work he began in you, conforming you to the image of Christ. Knowledge about biblical joy doesn't guarantee we'll live an abundant life experiencing Jesus' joy. Satan uses different things for each of us to sabotage our quest for joy. Hopefully you spend some time in your small groups discussing what steals your joy. I have found that for me, overcommitment and busyness, worry about my kids' future, about finances, about health, etc., etc. Comparison, which frequently leads me to envy and jealousy, disorder, loss of control, and fear all steal my joy. I chose to research comparison and busyness to see what God's word had to say about them, and I found a lot. Comparison steals my joy. Linked with comparison are envy and jealousy. Jealousy is related to the fear of someone taking something we perceive to be ours, whereas envy is the belief that someone else has something that we lack. Neither leave room for joy. They're corrosive to our well-being. Can we rejoice in others' good fortune, or do we find satisfaction with others' misfortune? We need to take joy in others' happiness and long for the best in others as we do in our own lives. We need to worry less about what is happening, what God is doing in others' lives, and focus on our own relationship with God and all the blessings that he has given us. Ultimately, all that matters is God's approval. Proverbs 14.20 says that envy rots the bones, and much of my toiling stems from envy and trying to keep up with the Joneses. I was surprised to find so many verses that directly address comparison in the scriptures. Galatians 6.4, each one should test their own actions then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. Galatians 1.10 Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. 1 Corinthians 3.3 You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? And Ecclesiastes 4.4, 4, And I saw that all toil and achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This, too, is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Not only does comparison steal my joy, but overcommitment and busyness also can steal my joy. It's more likely to steal my joy when I'm tired and weary. Jethro encouraged Moses in Exodus 18 to delegate because there was too much for him to do alone. Even Jesus had to steal away from busyness and from people. In Mark 6.31, Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, Jesus said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. The more entrenched we are in busyness, the more likely worry and anxiety will overtake us. Jesus calls us to come to him when we feel weary and burdened because burdened is not his best for our lives. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30 Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Busyness distracts us from what is really important. Let the phone ring, chores can wait, social media can use a break. 
These things are not eternal. Jesus is eternal. We need to make the effort to sit at his feet and enjoy him. Like Martha, we need to choose what is better. Haggai chapter 1 really spoke to me this week. In verses 5 to 9, Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages, only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house, so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty? Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. This passage really challenged me to give careful thought to my ways. How often do I plan my day with my agenda? How unfulfilling this is, and ultimately I'm out of God's will, and he will need to corral me back in, and this corralling is usually painful. I need to be about God's business and not my busyness. Jesus' desire is that his joy would be in me and my joy would be complete. I need to be conscious of the obstacles that I place in my own path, blocking myself from experiencing the joy that Jesus intended for me. And now my final thoughts. This is kind of like the grand finale of fireworks. Having an eternal perspective is key to living the abundant, joyful life God planned for us. When we look at the same event or circumstance from a wider perspective, our sense of worry and anxiety diminishes, and therefore we find greater joy. We need to move beyond our limited self-awareness and self-interest and see things from God's perspective. Our own sin nature, and specifically unforgiveness, can be a tremendous obstacle in our own experiencing Jesus' joy in our life. In the Book of Joy, Archbishop Desmond Tutu states that forgiveness is the only way to heal ourselves and be free from the past. Without forgiveness, we remain tethered to the person who harmed us. We are bound to the chains of bitterness, tied together, trapped. Until we can forgive the person who harmed us, that person will hold the keys to our happiness. That person will be our jailer. When we forgive, we take back control of our own fate and our feelings. We become our own liberator. An eye for an eye will leave the whole world blind. When we're hurt or pain happens, we can choose to hurt back or to heal. If we choose to retaliate, the cycle of revenge and harm continues endlessly, but if we choose to forgive, we break the cycle and we can heal. Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Additionally, extending compassion to others enhances our joy. Empathy is experiencing another's emotion, feeling what they feel, but compassion is a sense of concern that arises when we are confronted with another suffering and we feel motivated to see that suffering relieved. It connects the feeling of empathy to acts of kindness, generosity, and other expressions of altruistic tendencies, wanting what is best for the other person. You could say compassion is empathy plus action. For example, suppose you see someone being crushed by a rock. The goal is not empathy to get under the rock and feel what they are feeling, but rather to remove the rock for them. That is compassion. We learn from the story of the Good Samaritan that there are many reasons why we fail to show compassion. We fail to see others as human. We are afraid of experiencing suffering. We fear being taken advantage of. 
We don't want others too dependent on us. We're just too busy. Yet Jesus' summary of the parable is go and do likewise. No excuses, just action. Extending compassion to others enhances our joy. Finally, I'd like to close with the serenity prayer. Most of us are familiar with the beginning of Reinhold Niebuhr's serenity prayer, but maybe not with its entirety. I think it really summarizes what we studied this past week about joy. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're halfway through this series. Join us next week as we look at the peaceful life that Jesus desires for us.